Are you guys excited this morning? Mm, mm, mm. Are you excited this morning? Let me tell you, we came into 2023 and I came in with a genuine excitement and enthusiasm. Now let me tell you, now this isn't the message, hallelujah, but I'm just going to go ahead and crank your tractor a little bit this morning. Let me tell you why I'm excited, because I know what God's going to do this year. It has been revealed unto me what he's going to do with his church, what he's going to do in my family, what he's going to do in my life. But listen, if you want what God is offering this year, you're going to have to make some sacrifices. Amen. But the more sacrifices you make, the more promises you're going to see. Glory to God. I, I remember, let me, let me paint a, a picture for you of what I see. You remember when uh, David was bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem and, and, and one of his men reached out and they touched it and they weren't supposed to touch it because at that time it was reserved for only a select few. And when he touched it, he fell dead. And, and so David took the Ark of the Covenant and he parked it at Obed-Edom's house. Y'all remember that? And I think he left it there for like three years or something. But the Bible says that while it was parked at his house, Everything he did blessed and prospered. And so David saw this. What's the Ark of the Covenant? Well, that's just where the manifested presence of God is because the Word of God was inside of it. Well, guess what? The Word of God is inside of you. The manifested presence of God is inside of you. And so David saw what the Ark of the Covenant was doing inside that household, and he got excited. And he went out and he said, you know what? I'm going to bring this to my household. And how do I know he was excited? Because while they were bringing it, what was David doing? He was out in front of it dancing. And he was acting a hot mess. And he was out there and he was tearing his clothes. And he was dancing around. He didn't care what they thought. He didn't care. And even remember when he got back and his wife said, why, why are you out? Is this any way for a king to behave? And David said, I know what's coming to this house. I know what's coming to this place. And so I'm not going to tamper it down. I'm going to wrap it up. And he said, you haven't seen anything yet. He had a revelation of the presence of God coming to his house and what God was going to do in his midst. Come on, church. Do you have a revelation of what God wants to do this year? Oh, mm, I got a revelation. Amen. And I'm just fired up. I'm excited to see it. I said, I'm excited to see it. And I want you to be excited to see it too. Amen. It's not, it's not starting. It's already started. And now we're just going to walk it out and it's going to be amazing. Glory to God. Well, that was just a little, that was on my heart. So it came out. Amen. We're going to be talking about, we're going to continue our series <laughs> that we started, I think, in August. Y'all remember that sermon? <laughs> Liars, you don't remember. Hallelujah. We, we do our best to remember what Pastor Mark talked about last week. Glory to God. I remember we talked about Holy Ghost Church, and a Holy Ghost Church is a word church. Amen. But we were talking about mind games, and we spent some time on it. I'm not going to go back and review everything. I will just give you a little review because it was so long ago. And we talked about how the devil's really assault in the mind. We remember that the Apostle Paul from his jail cell, he wrote Timothy, a young pastor, and he said, You haven't been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sense. Sound mind. Many translations says self-control. But when you look at that sound mind, what it really translates out to is a disciplined mind. Church, it is time for us to be disciplined in our thought process. You know what the devil really loves? He loves a wandering mind. Because a wandering mind is where he can really do some work and bring thoughts to you. And so we talked about if you're going to have a disciplined mind, and we're going to look at this and continue it next week. We're not going to start here this week. But if you're going to have a disciplined mind, you've got to get into the Word. 
Because the word of God paints the lanes like on a road as to where your mind is supposed to stay in. And if you start drifting to the right or to the left, I love those little things that they put on the highway that make a whole bunch of noise when you're about to die. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's, and you wake up and you jerk back. And I mean, it's just amazing. Well, the word of God will do that. When your mind starts to wander, the word will say, you're about to die, you're about to die, you're about to die. And it's that serious. And so we bring our minds back and we discipline them with the word of God. And we're going to look at how to discipline our minds with the word next week. But this week, what I want to focus on is how does the devil first try to build strongholds in our mind? Now, what is a stronghold? A stronghold is a fortified place. And what the devil is trying to do is build a fortified place in your mind that is against the knowledge of God. And from that stronghold, he can defend from that place in your mind against the knowledge of God. And so if we let him build a stronghold in our mind, the knowledge of God, even though it's spirit and it's received by the spirit, and revelation comes from the spirit, it'll never be able to bring understanding to the mind because the devil's built that fortified place in your mind that's going to keep it at bay. And now why am I talking? I know, I know what some of you think. Well, I'm born again and faith is of the heart and that's absolutely correct. You believe God from the spirit. But have you ever been, and the Bible says that the just shall walk by faith and we don't please God unless we do that. But have you ever tried to walk by faith and live by by faith when your mind is at war with God. It's very difficult to get from point A to point B by faith if your mind, now I'm not talking about knowing all of the answers. You can't figure out the plan of God with your mind. But what I'm talking about is I'm talking about having peace of mind while I'm walking out the plan of God. And if I don't have peace of mind while I'm walking out the plan of God, the war within my mind will keep me from walking by faith. One of the first things that they taught us in Bible school when they were teaching us about faith is that if you're going to live as a Christian, faith must be allowed to be the leader. And faith cannot lead your life if your mind is in control. Faith cannot lead your life if your mind is at war with God. And so we must bridle our mind and we must discipline our mind to get it on the same page as God so we can walk by faith. Even though faith is of the heart. And when your mind is at peace, now you can be like Peter and you can get out of the boat and you can walk on water towards your king. Because it takes faith to walk towards him. It takes faith to walk with him. Come on now, glory to God. And so we're going to look at how to bring the peace of God that transcends all understanding to our minds. Amen. Amen. And so I want to start here over in Romans. Woo, someone say glory to God. Say I'm going to get everything he has for me this morning. And I wanted to start in chapter 8, verse 5. But as I was reading this, the Lord said, no, just start at 1 and run into it. So we're going to read a good bit of scripture here. It says, now, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Let's just stop right there. Condemnation doesn't come to your spirit. It comes to your mind. Amen. And so when we have that, we have to understand where this battle's taking place. 
For the power of the life-given spirit has freed you through Christ Jesus from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses could not save us because of our sinful nature, but God put into effect a different plan to save us. He sent his own son in human body like ours, except ours are sinful. God destroyed sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. Verse 4, he did this so that the requirement of the law would be fully accomplished for us who are no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. Now, we know Romans 8, 14 says this, that the children of God are what? They are led by the Spirit of God. What has been leading you? Has it been the Spirit of God or has it been your thoughts? What has been leading you? Has it been the Spirit of God or has it been your meditations in your mind? But we see here that we have been redeemed from that. And so now look at the verse 5 and let's jump into this. Those who are dominated by their sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit speak about or think about things that please the Spirit. If your sinful nature controls your mind. Now, let's just give a little theology if we, heal, or if we can here. Your sinful nature has been removed from you when you get born again. Right? That, that, that heart of sin has been removed from you, as Ezekiel says. That heart of stone has been taken out of you, and you've been given what? A heart of flesh. Adam's nature has been removed, and Christ's nature now lives on the inside of you. But while Adam's nature lived on the inside of us, we developed some bad habits. We developed some sinful nature habits. And so when he's talking about this, he's talking about the the habits that your sinful nature created while you were yet a sinner, and now you are a believer and you're born again. You're born again spirit and a born again man. You can't let it fall back into the sinful nature habits. And when you spend time thinking about who you were, then your sinful nature controls your life. This is why when you ask my dad, tell me about who you were before Christ, he'll say, that man's dead. We're not talking about him. Because I don't remember that person. And that per- and I'm not going to meditate and think about who I was. I'm going to meditate and think about who I am. Amen. I'm the righteousness in Christ Jesus. I'm set apart in Christ Jesus. I'm sanctified in Christ Jesus. I'm holy because he's holy in Christ Jesus. And we meditate because there are two uh, dominions and kingdoms. There's sin and death and there's spirit and life. And your mind loves to wander. And we're going to look at how he does this, all right? Y'all with me? All right, so those who are dominated by their sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. If your sinful nature controls your mind, there is death. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there is life and peace. So when we let the Holy Spirit control our mind, there's life and peace. And now our mind's not at war with God and it's easier to walk by faith. Amen? So let's keep going. Verse 7. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. And so you can be born again and your life can still be displeasing to God because you haven't figured out how to discipline your mind, so you're still walking in sin. And what that sin does is it's come to steal, to kill, and destroy. For the wages of sin is always death. And the devil is always trying to kill something 
in your life. And the way he does that is he gets in your mind. We just saw it right there. He loves to get in our mind. Now look at this scripture, very familiar scripture that many of us know over in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3-6. through 6, Out of the New King James Version, we'll start in 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war. Someone say war. war. There's a war going on in your mind. For we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, look at this next word, but mighty. So as we talk about this, always remember what God is doing is stronger than what the devil can ever do. The weapons that are for you are mightier than the weapons that are against you. And this ensures that if we'll do what God's asked us to do, we'll always walk in victory. Because our weapons are greater. Come on, someone say greater. For our weapons of warfare are, are but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down arguments. Now, where's all this happen? Bringing every thought in your mind into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when obedience is fulfilled. And so, one, how does the devil build these strongholds? That's what we're going to talk about today. And then next week, we're going to look at how we tear down these strongholds using the weapons of God. But the Bible tells us not to be ignorant of the devil's devices. He wants us to learn this morning how the devil builds strongholds so we won't be ignorant to towards it so we can oppose it. So we don't just let him pardon the phrase, but run amok in our minds. I want to fulfill God's plan for my life. I want to see all the promises that are yes and amen. And in order for that to happen, I've got to get my mind under control. So I'm going to say glory to God. So let's look at how the devil does this. Let's go to Revelation chapter 12. Now, I'm not a person who preaches from Revelation. Can I just be completely frank with you? Revelation scares me. <laughs> uh, I'm just messing around, but it really does. And so I don't read Revelation a whole lot, uh, you know. But I will say this. When you read the book of Revelation, man, you understand you serve a wild God. I mean, there's like, you know, vehicles in heaven, they, these wheels, they got spinners on them and spokes that are made of chrome and gold. And I mean, it's just wild looking. They've got beasts up there with eyes all around it. I mean, I mean, I don't know what's going on in heaven. It's just wild. Amen. And we peel back the curtain a little bit when we read Revelation. And, uh, and sometimes you just go, hmm, glory to God. All right. So Revelation chapter 12, we're going to start here in verse 9 because I want to be extremely clear. This great dragon, so who are we talking about? We'll read it out of the New King James Version. So this great dragon was cast out. The serpent of old called the devil and Satan. So the writer of the book of Revelation wants us to be very clear in this chapter who we're talking about. He mentions it multiple times in this scripture. That great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old, called the devil, and Satan. So it's very clear, right? Now look at what he does. Who deceives the whole world. And he was cast to earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So his whole objective is to deceive the whole world. Now who's the one who deceives? He pointed it right there. God doesn't deceive you. God always tells you the truth. He's very upfront with what he wants to do in your life and what he requires from you. And there's no deception or manipulation involved with it because that's not God. Deception and manipulation is from the devil. Amen. So whenever someone's trying to deceive you or manipulate you, you ought to be like Jesus and say, get behind me, Satan. Amen. 
Glory to God. Now, let's jump down. So that's verse 9. Let's jump down. We're talking about strongholds and how the devil builds them. Revelation chapter 12, verse 15. Out of the New King James Version, we're talking about the devil. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. Now, you remember back in Genesis 3, which we talked about in August, it says that the serpent spewed waters out of his mouth at the woman. How did he challenge the woman in Genesis 3 in the word of God? He did it with words. The flood that the devil spews out of his mouth is words. The way the devil builds strongholds in your mind is with words. And those words come at you like a flood. And if we don't respond correctly, because we see this all through the word of God, you remember the same way he deceived women, woman with it. Now, to give you another type and shadow, woman in this passage is a representation of the church. And the way he challenged the woman is the way, because we're the bride of Christ. We're married to the husbandman, who is Jesus. And the same way he challenged the church in Genesis chapter 3 is the same way he challenges the church today. He spews words out of his mouth and they come at you like a flood to overtake your mind. So your mind is at war with the knowledge of God to keep you walking out the plan that God has for your life. And if those words aren't dealt with, strongholds are built in our mind. And then from that fortified place, the devil will resist the word of God that's coming at it to keep faith from getting into your heart. Come on now, I know I'm not the only one. Has he ever come at you like a flood? Has he ever spoken words to you? You will die and you will not live. Has he ever spoken words to you? You're not qualified for this. Come on, church, let's just have an honest moment with ourselves. Has he ever spoken words to you? God is getting you back for the sins that you committed? Which isn't even theologically accurate because Jesus paid the punishment for your sin and God's not going to punish two people for the same crime. But it's amazing how he'll manipulate the word like he always does with the woman. Did God really say you would live? Did God really say you would be prosperous? Did God really say you can speak to that mountain and it would be moved and cast into the sea? Man, I, I, I'm really trying to stay without jumping to next week because, listen, the, 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 the early church did not give a response and they were deceived and they committed high treason, but then Jesus, when words were coming at him like a flood, when he was tempted in the wilderness, what did he do? He gave a response. He refused to let that stronghold be made in his mind. And the two-edged sword that came out of his mouth is sharper than the weapon. You have a weapon that is greater. But what we do most of the times is those words that come at us like a flood, we just sit and we ponder them. Oh, church, I'm not trying to get in your face, but let me get into your face. Why do we ponder the words of the enemy more than we ponder the words of God? And you know this to be true because I do it in my own life. He will tell me something and I will meditate it and meditate it and meditate it and meditate it. Because he's trying to bring death into my life. 
let me just tell you how ridiculous this is. We, the, the Colton Dixon concert, y'all remember that concert that happened? We were moving, after the concert, we were moving this choir riser right back here, this little carpet square box thing on the stage. And there's some staples that we use to hold that carpet to it. And when we were moving it, I got a little cut right here on my finger. You can still see the scar, just a little baby scar. Like the size of, I don't even, so small. And after I did it, you know, immediately, because we've been taught when something metal cuts you, you need a tetanus shot. And so it hurt real bad. And it was just a baby guy, and I put a Band-Aid on it and couldn't stop the blood from flowing and went home, and it was hurting, it was hurting, it was hurting. Immediately, the devil came to my mind. That baby, look at how, look at something so insignificant. A staple is going to kill you. And so in my infinite wisdom, I got on Google. And I started looking up symptoms for, don't laugh at me, you've been there. We're all doctors, hallelujah. (laughs) We're all educated by the internet, and the internet is never wrong, so if it says it, it has to be true. And I'm giving you the reality of it. I started reading symptoms for tetanus. And they're like, your neck will get sore, and all of a sudden my neck started hurting, and I was like... Y'all laughing like it's not real, but I was like, ah, my neck. And Rachel, she's so sweet. She knows I over-exaggerate because, listen to me, this is why I minister on this. Not only is the Holy Spirit put on my heart, but my family has issues with this. I know people that have had to go places for weeks on end to get help with this. I know people that are on medicine to keep this away. And the only way I keep it away is by staying in my lane with the Word of God. And Rachel knows my family history, and so when I start freaking out, she's just like, baby, come on now. And she'll just, <laughs> anyways, hallelujah. And so, but I got to tell you, for the next three days, it was a struggle. In my mind. Not in my spirit. In my mind. The devil's going to use this staple to kill you. He's going to kill you. And it hurt. It's right there on the thumb. So everything I tried to do was just a reminder of the lies that the devil was sending my way. And those lies came at me like a flood. And not only will the devil speak to you like a flood, but he'll use people to speak to you like a flood. Maybe even sometimes family members, society, people on TV. And it comes like a flood to build strongholds in our mind. This is how the devil operates. Let us not be ignorant of what he's trying to do. If you go over to Psalm 69, verses 1 through 3, David talks about how the floodwaters are up to my neck. I'm be overcome by these rivers. And then you jump down to verses uh, 10 through 12, and he talks about where these floodwaters are coming from. I'm the gossip of the town. The drunkards are singing about me. So what was causing floodwaters to come up to David's neck? It was words from the enemy. Many are the words of my enemy that are coming at me like floodwaters. The devil uses words to build strongholds in our minds. Now listen, what about those words he's speaking to you? John 8, 44. You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. Now look at this. He was a murderer from the beginning 
and he does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks, he speaks a lie. He speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. So every word that he has spoken unto you, your children will not serve the Lord. When he speaks that word, it's a lie. Your business will go under because of the economy. When he speaks that word, it's a lie. Because there's no truth in him. Now, what he loves to do with these lies and these words that he spews out, I love Matthew Poole's commentary. He says this, he cast out of his mouth waters as a flood, corrupting the judgments of several persons. So what's he trying to do? Well, like he did in the garden, he's trying to corrupt your judgment. And he'll use words to corrupt the judgments of many. Not even a few. Now, this isn't the message this morning, but if you go over into, I believe it's Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11, somewhere there, it talks about how we're not supposed to be like children tossed about by every wind of doctrine. That word right there, wind, is a very specific wind. If you look it up in the Greek, it actually talks about false doctrines. And then you take that word wind to somewhere else in the book of Matthew. It talks about when the wind and the torrents come and beat against your house. The word in Ephesians 4 is the same word that we see in Matthew when he's talking about the winds that beat down your house. And unless your house is built on the rock, great will be the fall of it. So we have these doctrines or these words that are from the enemy that come to knock over your house. And the devil will use all sorts of words to knock over your house. Words like this, be whoever you want to be. We have doctrines of the world. We have doctrines of men. We have doctrines of other religions. And the devil will bring the words of those who are deceived, and they've been deceived in their judgments, to your house to build a fortified place in your mind to where now you even start questioning who you are in Christ. Woo, don't let this be too simple this morning. This is powerful. There's a war. I'll tell you what's going on in the world right now. There's a war of words. <laughs> I'm finding out it's becoming harder and harder to even communicate with people. When I go through the drive-thru, because I love a drive-thru. Mm. I don't even know if I can say thank you, sir or ma'am, anymore yeah. without offending someone. Right. Right. Get a Dr. Pepper thrown into my car because someone's mad at me because I used the wrong language. Yeah. War on words. So the devil can build a stronghold because his whole purpose is to make everyone believe that this isn't true. And so we have to be careful. And this is why Jesus said, be careful what you hear and be careful how you hear to protect against these words. So everything he's told you is a lie. Psalms 93 verses 3 through 4. The floods have lifted up, O Lord, the floods have lifted up their voice. 
voices all over the place. Right? And the floods, which is a representation of the enemy, have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their waves. Now listen to me, church. This isn't, I'm not trying to discourage you by saying this, but the war in your mind will never cease. And even though it will never cease, it is a battle you can win. And it is a battle you can constantly have victory in. But you've got to know this morning, the Holy Spirit is is giving you a warning. It'll never cease. And if you stop fighting it, he will win. Now look at this. He says, the floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their waves. The Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters. (laughs) Glory to God. The Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters. He's mightier than the mighty waves of the sea. I can just see the psalmist writing this as he's sitting on a shoreline and waves are crashing against the rocks on the shore. And even though the waves may be mighty at the time, if you've ever been to the ocean, you know, sometimes the waves are six feet tall, especially here where we live in the Gulf. If you go to Orange Beach or Destin or anywhere like that, sometimes the waves are six feet. They got both red flags out there and they're giving you a warning. If you go out there right now, you're going to die. And then the next day you come out and it's like a lake, (laughs) right? Just smooth like butter. And I see the psalmist sitting there, and, and, and sometimes it's calm, and sometimes it's harsh. And these words, and the noise of the enemy is constantly, you are a rock of God. And it's constantly beating against the rock. And the psalmist sees those waves, and they hit it repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. But then he notices something. It doesn't matter how mighty the waves are, those rocks are not moving. Doesn't matter how many times the waves come. That rock has not been drifted out to sea. It's firmly planted right there. And then he gets a revelation because the rocks and and what God is doing is mightier than the waves. So what's the Holy Spirit saying? The war that's going on, the noise that the devil has been making in your mind. He's saying the Lord is mightier than that noise. He's saying, if you'll just come to me, I'll quiet that storm in your mind. I'll give you peace of mind. Now look at this, Isaiah chapter 59, verse 19. Hmm. So shall the fear, or so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a flood, look at this now, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. I'm going to read it again. So shall they fear the Lord, the name of the Lord, from the west, and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a flood, how does he come at you? Like a flood? With his words. Now look at this. Pay attention to this. When the enemy comes at you with his words like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. What is the standard? It's right here. This is the standard that the Spirit of the Lord brings up against the flood of the enemies. 
This is the standard, and we're going to look at next week how to do it. But this standard, when we use this standard, it can pull down those strongholds. Because mighty are your weapons. But listen to me. We, it's not just enough to know the standard and get the standard in your heart. That standard's got to come out of your mouth. We know what the scriptures say. Death and life are in the power of what? The tongue. And what happens lots of times is, is when we get that little cut on our hand and we start going to Google, what we end up doing more times than not, just out of habitual research and doing all this other stuff, the words that come out of our mouth are not the sharp two-edged sword, but it's agreement with the kingdom of darkness. Now look at this real quick. That sword that comes out of your mouth, the Bible says that it, what does it do? It divides the spirit and the soul asunder. So when you get into the word of God and you meditate it, and we're going to look at next week how to renew our mind with this, how to speak with this, how to use the weapon, because many believers have the weapon and they do not use it. Or they're trying to use it and using it incorrectly so it's not working. But I want you to remember, in the, in the garden, Adam and Eve gave no response. Jesus gave a response, and what happened? One was deceived and sinned. One walked out in victory. When you take this double-edged sword and it comes out of your mind, it begins to separate what are your thoughts and what is the will of the Lord. What are your thoughts and what has he spoken to you? Because we don't, as believers, we don't speak out of our mind. We're supposed to speak out of our heart. I don't speak what I see. This is the spirit of faith. That we don't speak what we see, but we speak what we believe. And having the same spirit of faith. Right? And so how does that happen? Well, you've got to get a disciplined mind and you've got to get control over your mind. Otherwise, you'll never speak the standard. Come on, Ollie was already on it, led by the Holy Spirit this morning. Not that he is not led every other day, amen? <laughs> what was he talking about? Words. Seeds. And that's what the devil does with his words. He's trying to put seeds in your mind. To build a fortified place. We can all just be honest here for a moment. Every time that you've gone to believe God, whether it's for healing, a family member, prosperity, where does the challenge come? Against that faith, it comes from your mind. Am I the only one that's prayed before and then immediately my mind's like, I'm not sure that's going to happen. Right? Why? Because it's at war with the word of God. But I can discipline my mind and I can silence my mind. So it's not at war with God, but instead it's at peace. John 7, 38. So what we just said, look at this. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So there we see it again. What is water? You know, there's always a natural and a spiritual when it comes to the word of God. We see this lots of time. You know, uh, he, he'll talk about bread. And we all think bread to eat or we think money. <laughs> Jesus making that bread. <laughs> you know, <laughs> whatever it is. But lots of times when he's talking about bread, he's talking about the word of God. We see water. 
You know, water is listed in the scripture more than faith, hope. is listed 722 times in the scriptures. More than faith and hope. Well, every time he talks about water, he's not talking about water. Lots of times he's talking about the word of God. Sometimes he's talking about what we just looked at, the word of the enemy. Floods spew out of his mouth. Water comes out of his mouth. Well, that reference of water has a natural meaning and a spiritual meaning. The spiritual meaning is words are coming out of his mouth. Right? And so look at this, and when you begin to see this, a greater understanding comes, and you can see what he's doing. And so look at this. As the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So that tells me I'm not supposed to have just this little stream coming out of me. I'm not supposed to have, I don't just say a word on Sunday after I leave church because it's fresh, because the minister ministered on it. I don't just say that word on Sunday, and then I'm good for the rest of the year. No, it needs to be a river that comes out of me. In your silence is your failure. We need to be loud with the word of God. That is in our heart. We don't just sit there idly with that word, but instead, like the enemy lets it spew out of his mouth, would you please let the word of God spew out of your mouth? Like the rivers coming out of his mouth to attack your mind, would you please discipline your mind by letting a flood come out of your mouth? Would you let these mighty Russian waters come out of your mouth? From your heart, out of your mouth, so your mind can get put into the place that it needs to be put in, so you can see the will and the plan of God in this life. Come on now, church. I don't want to wait till I get to heaven for everything to be good. I want it right now. And the Word of God promises that I can have heaven on earth. But in order to have heaven on earth, there's some things I must do. Well, I'm just going to believe God and it's going to leave. Yeah, believe God. But unless you tell it to leave, whoever believes in his heart and says unto the mountain, see, we just sit there and we ponder the mountain. And as a man thinks in his own heart, so is he. Well, I can't beat that mountain. You're thinking that in your heart. Think of that. And that word right there, heart, as a man thinks in his own heart, you look up that word, it means the mind, the intentions, the will. So it's not talking about the spirit of God and the spirit of man. It's talking about the mind and intellect. So as a man thinks in his heart, as you think in your mind, go back to what we started with. This is why we don't believe in saying, oh, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. If you think that in your mind, so are you. And that's why we continue to sin. But if you think in your mind, I'm the righteousness of Christ Jesus, you start meditating that, you start pondering what God said, and then you get that in your heart and it comes out of your mouth, Woo, things are going to be different. Things are going to be different. And so this is how the enemy builds strongholds. And this is what you need to leave with today. Don't let him build those strongholds with the words that come at you that are nothing more than lies. Put more credit in the truth of God's word. Put more faith 
in what God has said and less faith in what the devil has said. Believe the words that he has said about you. Come on, church. Believe the words that he has said about you. And as you believe the words that he has said about you, get them out of your mouth. And wage war on your mind. So you can have all the promises that are yes and amen. Amen. One more time, faith is of the heart. But if your mind's at war with God, I don't believe you'll walk by faith. So we got to quiet our minds.